What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pot Thunder with Chuck Boy, the young, light-skinned Keith Sweat. And to the left, my guy, Andy, all the way coming from L.A. to make a special guest appearance on the pod. Thank you for coming through, my guy. Of course, man. Appreciate you having me, bro. Yeah, man, for sure. Do you want to give a little introduction to what you do, like your job title? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, a sports editor, sports writer for uh, Yahoo Sports, so I cover a little bit of everything. Um, I mostly write about soccer, but I cover all types of sports, editorial stuff, and making sure that our website looks good and our content gets out there and our content is clean and stuff like that. So, so it's a pretty cool gig, man. That's pretty dope. I can definitely say you're the first person that has been on the pod that has that job. So I'm going to have a million questions for you. <laughs> dope, dope. Um, when I asked you yesterday to be on, I just had to shut up because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to ruin my surprises. I want to all be genuine when I find out the information. But um, first of all, bro, that's, that's, that's what's up, bro, because a lot of people, like especially being from a small state such as Rhode Island, they don't have like that. They think it's like far-fetched that that could ever be like your actual job title. They think, oh, that must be cool that, you know, Adrian Wolofsky and stuff like that, that's their job, Adam Scheffler and stuff like that. But it's obtainable from Rhode Island. But, like, How do you think you had that mindset growing up in such a small state? Did that ever like deter you from being in that field? Yeah, it's interesting because it is like a, I feel like it's a field that a lot of people would like to work in. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a different type of job. So, you know, it's when you work with sports, obviously, a lot of us grow up being sports fans and we're like, oh, we would like to do this. And we see all these people doing it. But I think it's just about the way you approach it. Um, I didn't go to school in state. Like after I graduated high school, I went to school in Boston. So I definitely think that helped a lot in terms of where I was exposure to sports, because at that time, you know, every Boston sports team was winning. So it was just a cool time to be around. And get exposure, grab internships, um, co-ops, things like that, that kind of just like got my feet wet in the field. And I was just really active. That's the thing. Like I always tell people it might not be an easy thing to get into, but if you're passionate about it, dedicated to it, um, do it. I, I, get, I dedicated a lot of time to it, holidays, weekends, and things like that. And I still do because, you know, it's sports a lot of times that it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop at all. Dude, so. like Stephen A., this guy is working <laughs> all day, yeah, yeah. every day. Does this guy sleep? Does he take a nap? Uh, I can't I can't confirm nor deny it. I've seen him plenty of <laughs> times because I used to work at ESPN for a little bit, but um, I haven't seen him sleep. <laughs> Dude, he goes from one thing to another thing to another thing. And it's draining, yeah. like especially having the podcast. Like People are like, oh, that's pretty dope, but... Dude, like having people on guests, content creation, getting out, being entertaining, being behind the camera, setting up behind the camera, knowing what you're talking about, delivering it well. That is not easy. No, no, it's not. And I think it's it's one of those things like the more you do it, obviously, like anything, you get the reps in and, and you get better at it. But um, it's about being unique, too, because you have to be your own person in the field like that. Because I tell people all the time, you know, everybody watches the same game and everybody could have the same opinion or have different opinions. But it's about how you deliver it how you're, you know, building yourself up and things like that. So I think that's the most important thing when it comes to, you know, just pre present presentation and, and, and delivering your message because, like I said, it's it's one game, but it could be a thousand different perspectives. It's still yeah. all about the way you see it. Yeah, you never know who's watching, but just to get even started back in the day. So when you were younger, was that always on your mind? I want to get back to, like, day one, like, middle school, high school. Was that always part of the plan? Like, no matter what, I'm finding a way to get into this field or did it spring up during college? Nah, I always tell people it's a funny story because, like, the reason I did it is because I was so lazy as a student <laughs> and I didn't know what I wanted to major in when I got to college. And I was like, yo, I just knew that there were certain things that I didn't like, like math and, and numbers and stuff like that. So it was like a process of elimination 
uh, back in the day, I don't know if it still exists. There was a website that you could like put your interests, and it kind of like spits out like majors and stuff like that. Um, and I, I did not know about that website. Yeah, so I did that, and I, I had like one teacher in high school told me I was like a decent writer, which kind of like it was stuck in the back of my mind. Um, and I did enjoy reading, just like obviously in high school you're reading about stuff you don't care about. But I was always like a, a big reader of sports, um, media, sports journalism. So it was a process of elimination. I was like, hey, this popped up, and I was like. Sure, why not? It sounds like it could be fun. I never thought it would get to the point that it has. Wait, so what popped up? Like, it popped up journalism. Was oh, like, okay, it okay. Was like, like, this was, like, what you should do. Like, basically, this is a major that seems to, like, follow your interests and stuff like that. So once that comes up, what's the next stage after that? Because, like I said, this is taboo to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, they don't, like I said, they think it's far-fetched, especially being from, you know, such a small state of Rhode Island. It's far-fetched for anywhere, never mind, especially being from Rhode Island. So sure. after that came up, what was the next step, like, in the journey? Yeah, I was like, all right, well, I knew I wanted to go to school in Boston. That was the number one thing. So I think that was, it was good that I had my mindset that way. Um, and I was just, like, applying to places and, and trying to figure that out. Once I got accepted, I went to a school called Suffolk, uh, Suffolk University in downtown Boston. But once I got accepted, it was, it was um, how, like, do I start this? Because it was, journalism is journalism, but... I wanted to do sports, obviously, so I was like, I needed to find a balance, and luckily, at, at my school, and like a lot of schools, they have those student newspapers, um, st online outlets, like our online newspapers, so I hit the ground running. I, I'll never forget, I was like, I went to, you know, I, I wrote for the student newspaper first, um, and I didn't really necessarily like the way they were running their thing, um, their group, so I went to the online uh, publication, and it was a lot more it was a lot more freedom and that was actually a good test to be like yo this is what the industry is like like newspapers are very particular like actual print newspapers there's like too much like yeah it's just control we need you to do the story we need you to um have like a word count you can't write more than 350 words and then later down the road I, I would get into that in a professional way and it helped me is probably the best experience i've gotten but at that time since i was so new i was like nah this is not good for me i need to like start writing and get those like that journalism experience do you think you stayed there journey. would that have like um no i think it would have been fine because i think it, it is it was really cool because you they would print the newspaper and it would be all over campus so i think it, the experience would have been dope i just think that because i made that switch to the online publication i was able to have freedom and do what i wanted and the first story i wrote was like a, 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 a album review it was the jay-z blueprint uh three album review and i was like i don't know who the hell let me write this because i'm a huge jay-z fan and i was yeah, like bias and shit but i'm like <laughs> no i mean like whatever i'm gonna do it anyway and that's then, on the schedule for the, this podcast yeah, that talking about bet, uh jay-z and kanye yes, but um so that so what online publication was it? I mean, I don't know if you can say it or not. Or if just... Yeah, no, it's just like an online like newspaper, basically. We just we just like to call it a newspaper because it's not print, but it's just um, it's called the Suffolk Voice. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they're still running uh, now because it's it was a pretty big group when I was there, and I made it a point to make sure that that group was you know popping, obviously, because I was I'm gonna dedicate four years of undergrad to this, and I so wanted to be known. Do you just reach out and they take anybody in, or do you have to be certain qualifications yeah. to be in that Suffolk uh, online nah, publication? It was like it was like, hey, I'm interested to come to the first meeting and see what it's about. And it was the meetings were pretty cool, man. It was just the editors would sit in the front of the room and be like, all right, I'm the sports editor, I'm the A and E editor, I'm the news editor. Like these are the stories that we think that we would like somebody to write. But do y'all have any ideas? And I was like, yeah, sure. So at that point, are you just want to get the ground running? You're just getting. Yeah. Like experience do you even care about people reading like the viewership or anything nah. like that it was more just yeah it was just the experience because i was so it was so new to me because i had never done it before and i'm like i know writing is one thing but writing as a journalist is, is a completely different ball game so i was like yeah, i needed to like get this experience and like really you know go through it um in certain ways deadlines and things like that or just challenging myself to do stories that i didn't necessarily want to do um but i did have a lot of freedom when i did start writing sports like 
they were like, yo, hit the ground running and do what you want. And I was one of the most active writers like throughout the whole four years, which I thought was pretty dope. Are you just continually doing like daily stories as a weekly? Man, I did everything. I started a blog for the website. I was doing um, weekly NFL predictions, which was hilarious. I have a funny story about that. We had a we had like a little office in, in our building and one day the phone started ringing. I didn't even know there was a phone in that office. And I'm like, <laughs> who the hell? So like I answered it and they were like, hey, like, we're calling, we're trying to uh, know when the predictions are going to get posted. Because, <laughs> like, we're trying to, like, bet or something like that. And at this time, in 2010, betting wasn't as crazy as it is now. And I was like, yeah, that's wild. Like, somebody's really waiting for my story. And I'm, like, it's a college kid that, like, yeah. loves the NFL and is writing this shit on the side. So it was cool because it, it realized, like, the internet is so powerful. And, and, like, you bring up a good point about, like, if I stay at the paper, would I have had that exposure? Maybe not because the internet, like, just boosts everything. So it was it was pretty dope. Yeah, I mean... Who's, I mean, I I don't ever pick up a newspaper. Nah, so I think it's just more like online. Like even yesterday at the event we were at, we met some uh, some kid, like Henry is his name. And uh, I was just intrigued. I'm like, how'd you find out about the right. event? He's like, found it on Instagram. Right, right. The power of the internet. You never know who's watching. You never right. know who's looking at you. Yeah. Whose life you can you know impact. Who's waiting to bet just right. on, your, on your article. It's actually crazy because someone actually reached out to me this, uh, this past week. And they're like, hey, they're interested in the show and stuff like that. They're like, oh, you should do like a betting show. Mm. And I'm like, should I? Right. I mean, because I don't bet. Right. I don't bet at all. Stay away but from that. I stay away <laughs> from it. I had a crazy story like in I think 2014, Pats were opening up against the Titans. I don't even like the Pats, but I'm not an idiot. They were given six. Right. And I'm like, oh, this bet's too easy. Just a layup. <laughs> 500 bucks won. Next week, bet like seven games, lost every single one. Yeah, 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 now I'm like, never again. So, yeah, but the power of betting, you never know like who's into it and stuff like that so did you pump out that story like right away so the guy can yeah, put his bets in yeah. and the thing is i was working on it so it was funny that i was a the one that answered the phone and b he was like looking for my story and i was like it was it was like a it was cool because it taught me responsibility of like yo this needs to be a, a weekly thing like obviously i can't just do it a few weeks and then be like all right cool i'm done with yeah it. and it was like a weekly thing with the picks um just like my thoughts on the games and and i was like it was good because it was keeping me accountable of like writing that but also like all right, what else do I write? I can't just have one story be my thing. So it was dope because it became like my little project for the seasons and it was it was cool. Do you think like, at least in publication and uh, journalism, is it best to find a niche or is it best to be everywhere? Like, Yeah, that's that's a good question, man. Because I, I feel like when I started, I really was everywhere. Like I like the following year, I, I was in the hockey beat. So I like ended up covering the Bruins the year they won the Stanley Cup. Um, and I was like all hands down on that. So it was weird because I really did like hop around. But... For me, I think it I think it's beneficial because it shows that versatility. Like mm -hmm. we could all say, "Oh, we're experts at one thing," or we're like fans of more than one sport. But I think the more you know, it's it's only going to help you down the road. And I look at it now, like my job now is very specific. When I write, it's very specific to soccer. But like I said, I work with a lot of other sports, so just knowing different things obviously is always going to help. You know, but definitely, like it's even with the podcast, I love having a variety of guests. Yeah. I don't like like doing one thing because first off, I'm genuinely interested in people's stories. Right. And if people like the podcast, they must be liking what I'm doing. So I think if they like what I'm doing, they're going to like the guests I'm kind of having on. Because, you know, like you said, I think it's the best. Like, you can, I can be funny, serious, businesses, athletes. You never know who's watching. I Like I said, I just want to keep it going. And you never know. You never know what hits with people. That's a fact. Yeah, and, uh, so with the publication, are you getting paid? Or is that strictly an internship? Nah, so it's basically like an extracurricular activity on campus um, that, that, you know, people participate in because they want to, obviously, or because they're looking to get into the field. But like I mentioned, the, the Bruins thing was dope because we were the only sports, um, college sports, like, paper that had a press pass to home games. Mm. So we were like, I was at the arena at the TD Garden, like, 
that whole season covering the Bruins in the locker room and you know all. so I was like oh like as a as a young college student I'm like this is a dope experience that's free you know what I mean like this that's is something crazy. I'm getting like a extracurricular thing and it just happened to be there they won the Stanley Cup so it went really far into the year you know being in the same press box um press box and locker rooms as all of these journalists that I've I've read in Boston and things like that so I was like it was dope it, it that didn't I didn't get any money from that, but that I think led to the next thing, which kept the career going. Yeah, sometimes you have to sacrifice sure. money just for networking, meeting people, getting that yeah. experience that you can never have anywhere else. Most definitely. I mean, if you say if you can get it paid for just doing the random Joe Schmo event, who are you meeting there though? Right. I think you know networking is key. I tell young athletes who come on the podcast all the time, especially when they're going to college, you gotta network. You never know where who you're gonna meet. If they're having those random events on campus, go to them. Yeah. Even people are gonna laugh at you. Like, oh, you're going to that? Come on, bro. We should be going back to Rhode Island, hanging out, going on a Fed Hill or something like that. It's like, bro, you're more beneficial to like expand your career and your horizon if you're going to these networking events. Absolutely. Bro. And do you think like so when you're there, are you, you know, are you networking with yeah. journalists is that you're trying to get like your name out there is networking key yeah. in the journalism world? No, most definitely. I think because it's so, I think it's so linear, right? People say like, "I oh, journalism, you're, you're, you write and that's what it is. But it's like, you also have to realize there's podcasts, there's radio hits, there's video stuff. Like the more you speak to people, the more you kind of just open those doors and like, hey, I'm willing to hop on or willing to collab with something. Like it's only going to help in the long run. So I, I started doing that early and I still do it to the day, man. Yeah, man, you're coming through right here. You already know. Showing that love. <laughs> and because um, that thing too, like even when like Adrian Wolski and Adam Scheffler is like, how do you think they're getting these insider information leaks? Yeah. Because they are networking. They are networking their ass off. You know, they're not just hitting them up for no reason. Even the Iron Rappaport's, all of them. You know, everyone knows those big insider guys. They're doing it, they're doing it from day one. Yeah. I mean, those connections they have is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's about that too, man. You got you to gotta just be a, a genuine person in the field. And, and the more people you know, obviously, when you're at that certain level, like, it's only going to keep up with you because people will give you those scoops. People will feel comfortable giving you that news. So I think it's important you kind of ask about like the one field, like if you do have that one field, like really stick down to that. If you're going to, that's your plan. Then, you know, be that person, be that person that like, Hey, I want to be known for credibility and for being honest and, you know, things like that. And I think it always helps. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about credibility. Just instantly popped in my head. How do you feel about the ball sack sports? You think it's just a, uh, man, you, people in your journalism world, how do you guys feel about them? Is it like comedy? Or it's kind of funny. Or do yeah. you guys get like piss off when you see that type of stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I find it funny cause I don't, I don't take it like so seriously, but you know, there's obviously people that are going to see it different ways. Um, I think, you know, people just, the internet, like I mentioned, man, the internet is so open that you're going to see a lot of different things, but you gotta, you gotta really be your own person as which I said earlier, you have to kind of just stand out in your own way and almost as a way of like selling yourself as, as weird as that sounds but yeah. like really just being your own person because it's all about building that voice and then building that audience when you got two a unique voice and then you have your audience you're not you're gonna nobody's gonna stop you yeah no for sure i definitely agree with that uh someone reached out to me recently too they're like hey we would like to collab like maybe you can come on the network and stuff like that but Cause I have, like I said, that funny ones where girls come on, yeah. start going crazy, and the guys like, but you gotta, you gotta tone it down. I'm like, bro, you reach out to me. Right, right, right. This is who I am. I'm doing this for my genuine interest. I'm not gonna change for someone who I don't even know. I don't even care if it comes with money. Yeah. Cause I'm gonna stay true to myself and be my own identity. I'm not gonna just conform just to you because you want to do it and profit off me. Yeah. I'm not an idiot. I know what you're trying to do. Sure. You're not reaching out to me for no reason. But um, yeah, just staying true to yourself. So when you're there. The Suffolk University with the Bruins, 
did you make any connections there? What was the next step after that um, yeah. step in your journey? Nah, it was crazy because, like I mentioned, I'm in these press boxes with like, what you know, local journalists that I've read just as a fan of these sports of whatever um, in Boston. So I, I networked a lot there, and and it's funny because I had that Bruins experience. I ended up getting my first internship at uh, Nesson. That was the, the season after they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, so that was dope because it was my first internship. It was obviously a, a big deal. Nesson is still a big deal um, in New England. So I was there for three months. It was like a quick little internship, but that helped with uh, credits for my for my you know curriculum or whatever in, in school. So I, I only took like I think a few classes that year or that semester rather. So that was dope. And it was once again getting professional experience in a different way. Um, I did some writing and I also did some video stuff for them. Um, so it was dope. It was super, super cool. I enjoyed it a lot. And then, like I said, things just keep progressing. That led to the next thing. And th another funny story there is that, like, the kid I was really working with um, remotely at Nesson, I ended up working with him at ESPN later That's down dope. the road. And I was like, yo, this is crazy how small the world is. But Yeah, you never know. It really isn't that small when you're in, in a field like that. So it's pretty cool. So just a step back right here. So when you're doing the online publication, do you think that's like the road? Like, so if someone interested watching this far into the podcast, what would you say is like the proper channel to get into journalism and get to Nesson and get to Bruins? Is that the only way or is there different other ways or is this the way you recommend? Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it depends what you want to do, because if you really want to do the writing, then sh yeah, the only way for me is start writing, write for a publication, write for a newspaper, um, freelance. Obviously, a lot of people kind of feel different about that because it's a lot of time and, and maybe not money invested. But like you mentioned in the beginning, it's not going to be about money. And it's a field that traditionally doesn't really pay that well. So people would always be on my neck about that. And I'm like, it's not really, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about like getting started and getting put on. So yeah, I would definitely recommend that. And if not, like if you're not trying to do the writing thing, but you're still trying to do like a, in a broadcast sense, stuff like this, do podcasts, get your reels, um, you know, radio. I used to do a radio show in college as well that I kind of tied in with my writing. So just those getting those reps in and whatever kind of like media sense, if this is what you something you want to do is, is I think the only way to start and go about it. And then are you making like a, like a highlight tape and sending it off to like yeah. Nesson and ESPN? Is that coming to your story down the road? So for me, it didn't because I never did any um, in front of the camera stuff, really. I was more behind the scenes, but I did with the writing. I did have like a, I created my own little website that was kind of like an online portfolio instead of just like sending links around. Okay. I kind of just linked all the work in this website. And I had it. So whenever I did my interviews, I had that to show like, hey, this is like a catalog of things I've written. You know, I, I format it the way I want. Obviously, my favorite best stories I'll put up first. So that was pretty dope. It's just essentially is like your highlight tape. Yeah, so yeah, are you yeah. reaching out like so you're basically booking interviews. You're not just sending off your website to random. You're not sending emails. Yeah, just like check my link up. Yeah. Check my mixtape. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> like high school kids, like oh, Josh Allen, like right. emailing a bunch of coaches. You're not doing that yet. It's all now you're applying to jobs. Yeah. This is when you start taking it serious. Exactly, exactly. And it, it was like it's pretty weird for me because it's it, it kind of just all happened so quickly, dog. Like I I didn't really like have to Luckily, I didn't really have to like stress out about trying to get a job. Like I, w I applied to the uh, Nesson internship. I got that. That what next that was I worked at the Boston Globe. I applied for that, got that, and it was just like things just fell into place. And with those experiences, you start learning so much about yourself, about your skills, and, and you know you keep growing as a journalist or as a as a worker. And that, it was just amazing how things just progressed like super quickly. But th I'm thankful for that, man, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely what's up. So I, I Nesson and the Boston Globe, are you doing the same job? No, nah, the Boston Globe was. I still say it to now, I think hands down the best year I've had in my career. Like it was, it was the coolest thing ever. So that was a co-op and that means- What's like, a co-op? A co-op is like a, like a better version of an internship, like where they're going to, instead of you going to class, like you're just going to work. So mm -hmm. I literally took, I think two courses that whole year. 
and the rest of it was credits for my, uh, you know, for my curriculum. And it was just amazing at like the exposure. Um, it was, it was, so I was basically a, a high school sports reporter. And as, as the co-op, I had more responsibilities than the people that were there like working part-time. Cause that was, that's what it was about gaining you that, um, that experience, the opportunities. And man, it was, it was the best, it was the best year I had. I was all over the state of Massachusetts, uh, Friday, Saturdays, covering all types of games. I mean, I started just doing football cause it was football season and you know, high school football is pretty dope. It's a, it's a cool experience to go to these games and talk to these kids and oh, players. Sure. The only challenge, well, not the only challenge, but one of the biggest challenges is like, you have to take the stats down on your own. So you got to be like locked in. I'm on these sidelines. A lot of the stadiums don't even got press boxes. So I'm on the sidelines, like running around, like making sure I got, you know, I'm marking things down the right way. But it taught me a lot about the field because like I mentioned about the newspapers, it's very traditional. So you have deadlines because they have to print things. You have word counts because they have space, you know, uh, requirements. So you have to- It comes full circle. Yeah, it comes moment. super full circle. And you got to be like on top of everything. Like- our thing, it, it, our running joke is like we would go to a game and then we would run to the closest McDonald's because McDonald's has free Wi-Fi <laughs> and it's pretty reliable. So a lot of times we would be filing, writing in McDonald's and filing our story while like kids are walking in to celebrate whatever game. So yeah, because you gotta have it for the post wrap up for quick, man. For, like they're all sports wrap essentially. Yeah, like at noon, like exactly. at about ten forty five or whatever yeah. when they do it. Yeah. So out of curiosity for me, so why? You said you did your own podcast, like radio, well, radio show. You said right, not a podcast. Yeah, so it was yeah. strictly audio. Yeah, it was a radio show. It was part of. It was like another extracurricular activity um, at Suffolk, uh, Suffolk Free Radio. But it was dope because the radio station was right across from our office, and I was like, "Yo, this is cool. Like, I could just do this and talk about sports while I'm writing about sports." So I just grabbed my roommate. I'm like, "We're we gonna do a radio show." Like, and it was dope. Like people enjoyed it. Like we, you know, chopped it up. Yeah, it's always cool. Like I'm sure you've gotten this too. Like random people would just be like, "Bro, I listen to your show. That's just dope." And I'm like. Yeah. Oh damn! You listen? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what that's what's up. I didn't even know. For sure. You don't know. Yes, it has the view count. You don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah. But um, all point that bringing bringing that up was because why were you more on the journalism side as opposed to like the the Stephen A. the yeah. personality side? Has that never intrigued you? Nah, I thought it was pretty dope. Like I liked it when I started doing like the radio and and like the interviews and shit like that. I was like, oh, this is kind of fire. Like I could see why people love doing this. I just never. I just never like skewed from. Actually, I lied. When I started, when I started um, at Suffolk, I was a broadcast journalism major, so I had to take these classes for broadcast, like TV stuff. And that's when I realized, like, yo, this shit is a lot harder than it seems. Oh, hundred percent. And I had to go to. This is actually I completely forgot about this. This is the reason why I stayed writing, because I went to a job shadow opportunity with a reporter from um, NECN, that's like the, the news, one of the news uh, stations out in Boston, and it was like St. Patrick's Day week. Everybody in Boston was on St. Patrick's mm -hmm. Day. So I'm like already like kind of like, why the fuck am I doing this at this time, you know? So I I went to the job shadow with him and he was like, yo, we're going to work on this story that was about like a light fixture in like one of the tunnels. And he's like, the first day we're going to go on the field and do the interviews. And then the second day we're going to put it together. So I'm with this dude all day and I'm like, yo, this shit is boring. Like he's <laughs> going to like, like transportation meetings and I'm like, I, I just, I want to see the process, right? Yeah. Bro, he spent all day on the field like, ate lunch out of like a 7-Eleven or some weird shit like that. <laughs> he did all this work and like I watched this segment on the news and it was like a minute long and I'm like, bro, you spent all that time for a minute on TV? That's wild. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like this is a whole different ball game. So then I was kind of just like turned off by like the TV side of it and then I took some of those broadcasting class and I was like, oh, this is the this is it. Like this confirmed it. I had a professor who was wild trash. Was Wait, like, what confirmed it? So what so already that 7 Eleven. Yeah, that, that 7 Eleven lunch, lunch was in there. No, no, you want no sushi from 7 Eleven, nah, not on the bro. menu. No but sad. then 
what was on the broadcast and what confirmed it the most in that my class. My professor, he ruined, he ruined any dream I had about ever being on TV. Not explain, but he was, <laughs> he was terrible though. He was like one of the professors would be like, "Oh, this is like a news, like basically is a news position, so I have the right to." quiz you about like pop culture stuff randomly and i'm like bro i'm not here for this shit this is not like, like a pop quiz about Dude, what like the fuck? what's going on in england and shit like bro i don't know what the fuck's going on over there i'm trying to you know i'm trying to talk about the celtics and the bruins and shit so it was like nah he was all over the place and it was it was a good class to learn different things about like how um you know broadcast works and being in front and behind the camera because behind the camera i think is as impressive as being in front of it it takes a lot of time when you when you're doing stuff like that broadcast journalism but it, all in all i was like i'm glad i did the job shadow and i'm and i'm kind of i had that experience and i was like nah I, I think i could do the print and I'm, I'm a little more about it because i had already started writing yeah so i was like Yo, i kind of like this a lot more because i have all creative freedom around it whereas like tv and stuff is, is very lined up so you have to you know sometimes you have to follow certain guidelines or talk about certain things and it's like nah, especially going. at that time like, that was before the pat mcafee's of the yeah. world doing his own thing right right that was before like podcasts are blowing up not like rogan and things people just do whatever they want Facts. you know on espn i'm sure it's regimented you cannot say this you can't say that you probably can't talk about this topic yeah. they're probably pushing topics on you i yeah. forget who i uh listened to oh that was actually paul pierce he was talking about how when he was at espn they were saying that, you know, they're pushing, you got to talk about LeBron, you got to talk yeah, about LeBron, yeah. you got to talk about LeBron. It's an agenda, it's an yeah. agenda, man. That's why, you know, Skip, mm -hmm. this guy's never even got responded to by LeBron, but he won't drop it. He won't. He Every won't day it's LeBron. It's like, dude, <laughs> watch. But I mean, it brings in viewers. Yeah. I mean, so I'm sure, like you said, there's agendas for like broadcasts and stuff like that, but it's definitely not easy. You know, I've had people on and I could tell they were like nervous beforehand. Then I've had people say they're going to come on and then they cancel something happens and i'm not people get nervous i know yeah. what it is they get the light in front of them it's completely different for sure you know just talking with your friends and even podcasting is different than like broadcasting too because i would do like live streams of dolphin games and i did it once by my i've done a couple times on myself and it's completely different talking by yourself yeah. just watching a game yeah, yeah, yeah. it is so much more difficult not having someone to bounce off right, back on right and I'm like, I remember uh, at one point, like a whole bunch of people came on, like 500 people came on at one time. And I forgot I was watching the game. And then the comments are like, dude, why is this guy talking? And I'm like, oh shit. Like, I, I forgot they came to watch me. I need to be entertained. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's it's difficult. And like, no one wants to hear, like, okay, third and 10, here's the next play. Right, right. Two gets sacked. Oh, okay, next play. People want entertainment because they can watch the game for that shit. Yeah. And I think that's why you see things do so well now, like that Manning cast, and like oh. they've done it for college football a lot of times. Like it's cool because yeah, like anybody could traditionally watch the game and have their own opinion and have their own thoughts. But it's like to hear two legends like that that really know the game just talk about it and make jokes at the same time is, is dope. I think that's why it's dope. It's difficult yeah. to be entertaining, to be informative. Sure. How do you do you like the Manning cast a lot? I love it. I hated it in the beginning. I was like, this is a bad <laughs> idea. And like after like two weeks, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Now oh, I, mean, so I never that. want to watch it again on a regular broadcast. Like I need them to be on all the time. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, there's teams, like, t tomorrow, when we're filming this, tomorrow is going to be the Cardinals and Patriots. Mm -hmm. Gonna be probably a shitty game. Facts. But I'm like, I am watching this <laughs> yeah. because it's Eli and Peyton. For I don't sure. care. I will literally go out of my way to watch any broadcaster on. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, it's, it's dope. It's, it, I, I thought it was a, a pretty good idea. And then, it, I think my thing about them was, like, these two guys seem like they have, like, weird and boring personalities, but they're both funny <laughs> as hell, though. Like, <laughs> they're, both they're both hilarious. And I'm like, it, that, this, yeah. this makes so much sense. Like, it's so practical, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, that brother dynamic with them is yeah. it's, it's incredible. Yeah, they're, right. They don't reuse jokes. They're always nah, funny. Nah. <laughs> Eli, I think, has skyrocketed from, yeah. like, I think probably people thought he's, like, the most boring person yep, on earth, and yep. now he's literally the man. He's the man. He's literally I mean, I think he is so funny. For sure. Yeah, so at the uh, the Boston Globe, 
What's, what's the next step after that? Yeah, so Boston Globe, it turned from like six months to a year. Like once I finished my co-op, which was six months, they kept me on as a part-time employee. So that was cool because then I was like actually getting paid. Like I was like, I mean, it wasn't a lot, but at that time I'm like, yeah, this is dope. I'm getting paid to cover sports. So you weren't even getting paid at all. So you're going nah. on these Friday, Saturday games yeah. for high school football, basketball, I'm assuming obviously the next sport. Yep, yep. So you're going to, that's all you, like yep. your gas money. No, the good thing is we had, um, yeah, it was my gas money, but the good thing is that we had uh, some cars, we call them Globe cars, uh, that they we could rent not really rent out but just use them but them things was terrible i think i used one like two of them and i was like nah you know what i just rather drive around and waste my own gas <laughs> well you might get stuck in the side of the road yeah bro then you're like stressed because you're not gonna get the story in on time like nah, <laughs> nah i don't need them problems so yeah it was it was all on my own merit but like i said earlier about the credits like that was dope because i didn't even have to worry about school that year i was like bro i was on campus like i think i went to campus once a week and it was to be um, at the Suffolk voice meetings because I ended up being like a uh, like one of the lead editors like towards the end of my undergrad. Awesome so I, I used to, you know, I used to be really involved with that. But besides that, I was never on campus, bro. Wait, so at that point, you fully transitioned to the journalism as your major? Yeah, yeah, I was in. I was print journalism, like full, full. And then like through the years, I started, you know, I started as a assistant sports editor, like my sophomore year. Then I became a sports editor. Then I became like the main editor. And then, you know, it just... So it, main editor, you're at Boston Globe right now. yeah. You finally get paid. Yeah. So what's the next step after that? Now you're feeling good, probably. Like, oh, all right, sure. now I was feel like, now I'm, I'm here. Like, solidified. I'm bothered because, like, you know, like, Twitter's popping off at that time of the, you know, that time, 2010. Like, it's really, like, picking up steam, and it changed the way sports are just perceived. So I was very active there. The Globe did a really good job about having us, like, have that online presence and start the live tweeting of games um, and, like, retweeting us from, like, a, a pretty big like Boston Globe affiliated account yeah of course so we were getting you know a lot of exposure there so I'm kind of learning how to build that avenue and and you know move forward so I was like now I'm here I got experience professionally um, both newspaper and with the Bruins I have the internship so I was a wilding out and that's when I was just sending applications everywhere like yo check my mixtape out type thing <laughs> but like I mentioned earlier like things just fell in line I applied to ESPN which is like a pipe dream for a lot of people and I got in, dog. Like, I had an interview, and I was At like, that point, you were probably like... Yeah, I'm like... I'm like, yo, yeah. I made it. Exactly. Made I'm it. like... And I'm. this is fresh out of college. Like, I was still in college when I was sending these applications out. Um, and I, yeah, I got an interview, and I was like, dog, if I, like, let this opportunity slip, then, you know, at least I went through the experience of, of getting to Bristol and having that, um, you know, that type of stuff, that exposure to whatever. So, I went over there, man. It was one of the craziest interviews ever, bro. Like, I was... I was out there um, like all day and it was like, it was for a program that was called, oh shit, I already forgot the name of the program. But anyway, it was a program where for for the people that were applying, you were basically gonna be like an internship rotation. So you were gonna start in one role and then the next, after three months, they were gonna change you to a different role of um, the, the company. So for you to experience four different um, parts of the company with the goal once you were over to, to stick on one of those or whatever, you know, move on. So. Um, I applied for that. And the funny thing is I didn't even get that job. I just, it was like, that's what I was there applying for. But because it was such a long process, I was there, like I mentioned all day, I had to interview with a bunch of different people. So that's crazy. it was cool because the people that were involved were like, yo, you know, let's have him come in and do this. Let's have him interview for this position. It's like, I right, word. This is my guy, Andy at ESPN right here <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, man. So, so it was, it was dope because I interviewed for a bunch of different spots. And then I just, that day I left like super confident about like, yo, I'm going to get one job because there's no way in hell I just talked to people like seven <laughs> hours in Bristol and I'm not going to land. So you're saying, so you mean all these people. So what is like that? 
Are you nervous at that point? You're, you got the little jitters. You baby? know what's funny? I was nervous about the job that I wanted, which was the, the rotational program. And I, I felt like I didn't have a good interview. And the other ones, I felt like I knocked them all out the park. Like every other one, I I think one of the dudes wanted to hire me like on the spot. And I was kind of just like, yo, like, wait, because I just spent a lot of time like interviewing with these people. Something else might come up. Um, but it helps me that I'm like, it's like super, I'm bilingual. So this guy was like, oh, we want to kind of have you like, ESPN, but also ESPN Deportes, and he was like super about it. But at the end, another an, another opportunity ended up coming up in the company, and I was like, I'm gonna roll with that, man. So you're meeting like these are like executives. These aren't yeah. like on screen personalities. Nah, nah, these so are no one like, like you're new. Yeah, yeah. These are ex- I mean, these are executives. Um, you know, just people in, in high places there. But um, yeah, it was it was wild, bro. It was that inter- I never forget that interview process. It was crazy. Do you have any like any uh, tips and tricks to people who are watching this? They got to be into journalism, so they're applying to ESPN. Do you have anything like do's don'ts for people? Yeah. Um, I would say like just be genuine because it was like I had a lot of interviews prior to getting to Bristol like let me not go over that because you have to obviously go through the process of phone interviews and stuff like that and even a few of those I was kind of just like I like maybe that wasn't the best you know they would ask me questions about who's your favorite writer and maybe like what's your favorite ESPN show and things like that so it's like just be genuine because people are going to tell if you're lying if you're like oh I like this show this show's not even on TV no more like you're saying some (laughs) weird shit so I'm like I already knew like I, I I like as a sports fan you're a consumer so I already knew when they asked me stuff like who's your favorite writer I already had things like that in my in my head so Definitely be genuine and and be honest because they'll ask you. I ended up working with a lot of the apps in in my early time at ESPN. So they ask you about the apps. And if you if you don't use them and you don't know, then it's better for you to say, I haven't used it that much. Or like, I do know this or I like this instead of just lying about it. Because people are going to read through you. Oh, yeah. They're definitely going to know. And did you ever see that clip? It's a, It went viral, obviously, when Stephen A was talking about, I think, like the Chargers uh, injury report. And he's like, I can't wait for uh, <laughs> like... Like even like right now, this today, like oh the Derwin James, he's yeah. gonna be going off tomorrow tonight against the Dolphins, and then Teddy Bruschi was like, "What are you talking about? He's not even he's playing. Not even playing yeah. He's not even playing. That guy's brain must be going <laughs> no, through he's like fried, bro. <laughs> you're all over the place. Bro. But like that, they would know that. Say that was you on your interview, though. Yeah. They're gonna know. Like, all right, you're clearly not watching. You clearly don't use the app. You yeah. clearly don't watch first take. Mm-hmm. So don't lie. Exactly. That's what it's about. I mean, I, that's just interview interview one on one for yeah. anybody. But yeah, it's hard because it's such a. I guess such a, a, a well-known place and you're trying to stand out. So like it was the same thing I was mentioning about being your own person and creating a voice. Like you have to have going into interviews like that or places like that, you have to have that from the beginning because that's what's going to make you stand out more than anything. They're interviewing who knows how many people on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. And I was like, yeah, I got to stand out some way for somebody to be like, yo, let's get this kid a job, you know? You know, for sure. So how long that process takes? You went from the interview. You said there was from pre- uh, preliminary interviews. Yeah, yeah. You, you finally got to, you know, Connecticut how, after that. You're meeting with multiple people. What's the next step there? Do you have to wait a couple of weeks? You yeah. said one guy, why, one guy wanted you on the spot. Yeah. That didn't happen, though. But I was interviewing probably like around right before I graduated from, from college. So um, I was like, yo, whatever hits, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm ready because I was in Boston, you know, the, the, the majority of the time. Like, but I was technically still living in Rhode Island. So it was kind of weird because I was driving back and forth from, you know, wherever game I'm at to, to Pawtucket or wherever in Rhode Island. And I'm Damn. like, yeah, so it was, it was wild. But... Um, yeah, I think I don't really remember when. Actually, no, I do because I had like a graduation party and I had already known at that time that I was getting it, getting into ESPN, but I hadn't told like only, I only told a few people. And like, it must be like on the low. Yeah, I wanted to be on the low, so it was like right around like mid-May um, because it's just the funniest shit I forgot about too. Um, I my I had my commencement ceremony. I'm I'm in Boston, like super hungover. I'm just like, I don't even <laughs> want to be here. This shit is boring. Uh, Robert Kraft was our speaker, of course, so it, things just come full circle. But I'm there, like half asleep, and they had like the little ticker on the bottom, like 
um, you could text like messages. Like people could text, say, "Oh, congratulations to whoever, whoever." And somebody was like, uh, "Congratulations on ESPN!" Like I'm um, with my name on it. And I was like, "Damn!" You're like damn. Should have I was told like, you. I, I can't even break my own story. Like, this is awkward <laughs> to tell. So yeah, I found out like around mid-May um, that I had got accepted uh, to a role, and I graduated like May like 19th or something like that. And I was in Connecticut. I started it by July, so it was super quick, man. So July, wait, so do you don't move to Connecticut? No, nah, I moved want, straight move. up. I, I mean, like I said, I was just graduating. I was living here technically at my mom's, um, like, but I was in college, so I was never really around. Uh, so once that happened, I was like, I, I got to pack up and, and dip. I got, got, got some stuff in the car and hit 95 South and, and made it down there. How was, how's Connecticut to live? That shit is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is terrible. Rice, uh, go out there. I was, um, yeah, I used to go out there frequently. And boring, bro. Yeah, that's boring true. as hell. That's, just, that's not it. I, I like love to the people that I met out there and people that are from there, but it's not it. Like we tell, it's we, it's kind of like a little joke between people that have been at ESPN, but they call it like the bid. Like if you're at ESPN, you did a bid because it's like <laughs> being locked up. Like bro, they're getting away with crazy shit having people live in Connecticut. Like these famous ass people live in Connecticut. But why? Why did they pick Connecticut of all places? So the story there was the person that started ESPN was a big Huskies fan, UConn, mm. and he wanted to like broadcast those games to more people than just that were in the nation. I mean, in the region rather. So he started it. Um, over there in Bristol because they had like good signal or something like that. And it's weird when you drive up to a certain part of ESPN, which is like the highest point of the campus, there's, a, we call a satellite, I think it's called Satellite Farm or something like that. There's all these satellites and he had one to begin and, and because of the point that it was at, it was able to broadcast things a long way. And so that's how it started. He was like, oh, this is cheap here. It's easy. It's good signal. And then it just grew from there. It started 79 and that shit is a monster since. Yeah, so it's probably just, you know, more like just a... Uh just for like the honor of yeah. being there because at this point they could easily move to LA. Yeah, well the thing about the campus is like so we, they have a LA office and it's literally like four floors and two of the floors are like servers. So it's 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 tiny. Um and then they have now they have a, a pretty solid New York office but um and the one the campus in Connecticut is like it's almost like going to Disney World, which is funny because Disney owns ESPN for a lot of people don't know that. So there's little very um, intricate details that like Disney has that ESPN has like the campus is very nice. They have these little, you know, everywhere is decorations, but the campus that I, that ESPN headquarters is 17 buildings, bro. Like Damn. they ain't moving that shit nowhere. <laughs> like that shit is staying right where it's at. And you could get shuttled around from building to building. Like it's, it's a massive, massive. It's place. like a college campus at it's, that point. It's like a college campus. Like, and further down the road, like I, that's kind of what started burning me out. I'm like, bro, I spent too much time here. Like going to the gym on campus, playing sports on campus. And I'm like, what else am I doing that's not at ESPN? Like, it's all great. And it's be being there was amazing. I'll, I'll never say otherwise. But I'm like, yo, all I do is be on campus. And then I go to work. And I'm like, yo, I can't. I can't do this shit. And I live in Connecticut. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> at that point by ESPN. Yeah. Out of question, because I have no idea. Can you, can like the regular person visit there? Or you have nah, to be an employee? It's a, it's a process. I got to like sign you up and then sign you in type thing. So like, you got to sign people up by like a system. And then once they get approved, like then you have to go to like the welcome center, get signed in, get like a little day, temporary day badge. It's it's a process, bro. So but yeah, you could bring guests in. Once you work there, you could bring people. Oh, that's cool. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, so you life's consumed at ESPN at this point. Even at the Boston Globe, like it sounds like you were you kind of you know preface this in the beginning of the podcast when we started. You are giving up a lot of time, your personal time, your you know, you said missing a lot of family yeah, events. Yeah. Um 
I'm assuming it did it get away with like even dealing like with girlfriends, people, prior relationships, yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. No, I think it was it was one of those things like I noticed it right. Like oh, I'm taking a lot of time and 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 spending a lot of time doing things, but I always had a mentality of like it's better to do it now than do it later down the road. Like I'd rather sacrifice that I'm when I'm in my twenties, when I'm young, when I'm like hungry to get you know a career going, do that then, then have to do it in my forties and be like yo I I can't do X Y Z. So. It's and it's funny because ESPN Connecticut is not that far from you know Rhode Island from Pawtucket, but I was like it's also far enough that y'all not gonna be seeing me. Yeah. Like if y'all didn't see me when I was in Boston and that was like <laughs> under an hour, like you're not really gonna be seeing me, you know. And I did go back, I did come back rather a lot in the beginning, and then I was kind of just like yo, I need to like really like hone and focus. Yeah, exactly. So like I mentioned, a lot of those holidays and stuff, and it was. I think I got lucky because I hate work, waking up early in the morning. So when I was at the interviews, I was like, bro, I need, like, I want to work at nights. And when they hear that shit, they're like, word, because obviously we want young kids to work at night that are energetic about yeah. it. So all my jobs were at night, and I was like, damn, I was working two in the morning, sometimes three in the morning, like college football Saturdays when Hawaii's playing or some shit, and we're waiting <laughs> for one game to finish. Like, it was, you know, that shit was torture, bro. Torture. So, so you're not even... Going out, it's even on your nah, mind at that point. Nah. Strictly just work, wake up. Yeah, my days off were like Tuesday and Wednesday and shit. Like it was the one great thing that ESPN had is like they have a lot of intramural sports. So we had like basketball leagues, soccer leagues, volleyball. So I was very, very active when I was there. Like I, I played sports all like, and I mean it's it sounds like cliche because it's ESPN, but it was dope because we got to hoop up with like. Famous, I, I played against Chauncey Billups one time, dog, oh, and I'm shit. like, it's crazy. Like That's people would love it. Like, yo, let's play, let's hoop, and I'm like, this is wild. But he probably it, went off. Nah, he was killing us. I'm like, bro, he could have played with his eyes closed. He was killing us, <laughs> but one time yeah. I seen uh, a LA Fitness store. Ricky Lito was there. Hooping. Torching, yeah, just torching kids. I was like, God damn, I don't even want to. I'm waiting till he leaves because so, I'm, I'm not getting it's embarrassed. It's so funny because like people watch ball and they criticize it. I'm like, you know how good these players are, dog? <laughs> I'm like, they're playing against the best of the best and they are the best. Yes. Like, and we're talking about them. Like, bro, these guys are different. Athletes. Let's get bail. LeBron should be doing yeah. this, dude. Shut up. Them boys are You boys cannot are do a thing LeBron does. Even like the, you know, after being from a Boston guy, you know, the running joke is, oh, like people can beat Scalabrini in a one on one. Nah. It's like, dude. Nah. Just because he's the fifteenth guy in the bench, yeah, nah, the fifteenth guy is killing any regular motherfucker. I tell you, <laughs> any motherfucker <laughs> killing a, a G League player, he's killing yeah. a Euro League player. Never mind a random dude from Rhode Island. You're getting skunked. Yeah, nah, that's a fact. That's a fact. He's gonna kick your ass <laughs> real quick. That's a fact. But that must have been dope though, playing against like you no know, yeah. famous people and like that lace all around there. But like you said, it gets that point where it's draining you out, nah, for sure. and you're like, all right, this is um, you know, this game's too time consuming. Get fried out over here. So what's the next step after that? Is that leads you to find a new job or? Yeah, it got to the point that I, I spent five years, five years and a few months there. So it was a lot of time. But like I mentioned. Well, before you leave ESPN, you must have some cool stories if you're talking about getting burned out. Yeah, I, yeah, You have a picture here. I'm going to put it up right here on the <laughs> screen. This is an ESPN like uh, yeah, thing, right? Yeah, so you're here. Look at this. My guy, Andy Whiff. Yeah. You can you can give an explanation to this. Lord Stanley, man. The cool thing about ESPN is like you get a lot of perks, bro. Like. People like they'll bring they have something that's called a car wash, um, and they bring celebrities and athletes there, and they just they're on campus all day. So they have you know employees. There's like so many employees that work at that at that campus that you just kind of walk around and see people and see things. So they bring trophies, they bring events. Like it's it's the work. The culture is so unique, but it's so cool. Um, so yeah, the Stanley Cup was there one day, and I was like, bro, I'm gonna go take a picture of the Stanley Cup. Like I got to do that, and then. I went to play basketball right after that. I'll never forget. That. <laughs> I had my gym bag in the car. I went across the street and whatever and changed, and that was that, dog. Like, 
it was it was crazy, man. ESPN is it's a hell of a place, bro. Like obviously a lot of people would love to work there, but it's just the face ESPN right here for a while. Yeah, man. My guy Stuart Scott, bro. Rest in peace. It you was, you met him a couple times? Yeah, yeah. He was he was around and he's, he's very, very nice, um, talkative person as he was on TV. And then when he passed away, they had a ceremony for him and it was it was dope to be there and kind of just be around people. That's dope. Right here, me and Mr. One of many people you have met. The bus, yeah, that was that was cool. They had a NFL live segment they were doing, and they wanted employees to be in the in the audience, um, wearing you know their team gear and stuff like that. So I was on TV like three times that day. I think people were telling me um, on ESPN, and then after. Oh, right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a live broadcast. Somebody sent me a screenshot of it, like. They had said Bill Belichick won something, and they they panned to me, and I was like doing the Kanye shrug, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was cool. Cause oh, these are all workers, right? Yeah, these are all coworkers. Yeah, like all ESPN people, and it's just like things like that. You're like, oh man, that's that's a pretty dope experience. Yeah, yeah man, a lot of people can't, you know, don't have that experience. Is this also ESPN right here? Yeah, that's uh that's the hallway that leads to the cafeteria, and they change um basically depending on what's going on at that time of the year, they'll they'll set it up to have um like I mentioned the details that Disney has with like little things is very meticulous. So they'll put it, if that was before the World Cup, so they did a World Cup wall, which was a timeline. The bottom part was the first World Cup winner, and that top part was obviously that had been the last, and it was it was super dope. That's fire. Yeah, so do you have any other cool stories ESPN that... Man, uh... I got a lot of stories about ESPN, bro. I spent, like I said, I spent so much time there. Like, um, I almost, like, one day I was walking to the cafeteria with my head down, obviously on my phone or some shit, and I, like... I almost bumped into this dude and I looked up and it was Brian Dawkins. I was like, bro, if I like ran into Brian Dawkins on accident and like he laid me out or something, that shit would have been hilarious. Cause like you just see people like all over the place. I mean, I, Drake was on campus one time and I was like, what the hell is Drake doing here? Like, what was he on there? He was for? promoting Kentucky thing or something. He was promoting like a FIFA at, at that time. And I'm like, bro, this shit don't even add up. But he was just out there and it was madness. Like people were everywhere. Like I was at I was in the audience for that. Um, I was on, I was, I photo or video bombed Steve Spurrier one time in the newsroom. I just walked behind like a live hit without realizing <laughs> it. I had a Red Sox shirt on, of course. So I'm I like, think I've seen that. You have yeah, I think before, it's right? on IG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yo, it's just like little things that happen. Like, it's just so funny, bro. But well, a lot of the stories like about playing basketball and like seeing people in the gym, like I used to work out next to Skip Bayless. Um, I, I worked out next to Jerome Bettis one time, Teddy Bruschi, like just people. And you're like, yo, this is so wild to me. Like it just never. Like, it's so surreal. It becomes like normal. Yeah, it does. Like it, it's almost like because they tell you like, obviously, you know, don't bother these people. And like I, I did it. I'm pretty good at, at that, like letting them have their seats. But I'm like, Teddy Bruschi is like my favorite Patriot, bro. And I was like, yo, I like working out next to this dude that won Super Bowls. And then, I, you know, I loved watching. So it does. It just kind of just becomes normal. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean. Um, Teddy Bruce got hurt is mad and nice. Yeah, he's, to everybody. He's, he's a cool dude. I, I did talk to him like a few times. Like, you know, I mean, having conversations with them, there's no problem. But um, like, I was never one, like, oh, let, let me grab a picture, picture or something like that. that. I, that one with Jerome Bettis is because it was a live hit and yeah. he was laughing. I went up to him and I was like, oh, like, I really, I mean, obviously, I didn't like the Steelers when, when you were playing, but I, you know, I appreciated you and, and you were you were dope. And he's a legend. So he was like, yeah, take a picture. He was laughing at my shit. That's why I took the picture. <laughs> Probably a massive, people don't understand how massive oh, football players yeah, are in person. Yeah. They're, they're crazy, bro. It doesn't, it don't make no sense. Speaking of Skip Bayless, though, were you there when he was at ESPN? Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about someone like that? I mean, even though he does get a lot of shit, someone have that type of work ethic. How do you like feel about someone like that? Do you like? I'm not sure if you like him or not, but like, what's your work? Like, do you respect his work ethic? And nah, that grind sure. is nuts. I'm sure you know it because you're seeing yeah. that firsthand. How do you feel like to the people who hate on skips of the world? How do you feel about, you know, what do you say about people like that? Yeah, it's, it goes to the same thing about creating your lane and creating your voice. Like, he became such a personality that, like, he 
you have to applaud almost what he's doing because he did that, you know, he created that. And it's funny, people talk a lot of crap about people like that, but Skip, like, off the camera is one of the nicest people at ASPN. Well, was really? one of the nicest people at ASPN. Like, he was super cool, but, like, when he's on camera, he's, like, almost trolling now. But <laughs> it's like, that's what, A, that's what's getting the ratings, and B, that's what people know him and want him to be. So it works. And I'm like, yo, he, he like, paved that lane and hit that shit running and it hasn't let up since. And... I mean, shit, the way he gets paid for it, like, I wouldn't change either, bro. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't change either. People understand, like, to have that, to find that lane, like you said, is tough. And um, for him to do that, I mean, applaud to him because that yeah. money he's making at Fox is nuts. Nah, he, got, he, he was getting paid crazy at ESPN, and he's getting even more over there. So Yeah, that's what's up. Good shout-out to him. So ESPN, now you finally run out ESPN. You're burnt out, so what's the next step after that? Yeah, I had I had one day that we had a meeting at ESPN, and they were kind of just switching things around, um, like, you know, through the staff and different changes in our group reorganizations. And I was like, I have had enough of this shit. Today was the day that, like, I decided I'm leaving here. Um, and I got to the point that I was like, yo, if I don't have a job, by the this was maybe, like, around, like, uh, August, September. I was like, if I don't have a job, like, by the end of the year, I might just quit this shit and, like, try to figure it out. I knew I would be able to have a job, but I just wanted to find something that was going to be a good move. Um, and I got, I ended up doing a few interviews um, all over the place. I was like, it was more, it wasn't even more so about leaving ESPN. It was more so about leaving like Connecticut and New England. It was like, I need to move somewhere that's going to feel different. That's going to be new people. Progress. Pro just progress. Pro I still felt forward. like I was very home. Like yeah. if I wanted to go home, I could just hop in the whip and be there in two hours. Um, so I was just applying so, all over the place. Where do you think that comes from? So a lot of people are nervous, especially being from a small state such as yeah. Rhode Island. People have that fear of taking the next step mm -hmm. or even like, you know, one thing I always, uh, you know, appreciate about you and respect about you is I always see like your IG or your Facebook and stuff like that. You're always doing things. And a lot yeah. of people, you know, I'm out always on the go as well. Sure. And people are always like, oh, how are you doing this? My thing is, like, we just got to do it. You you're going to be, you're going to regret not doing it, like yeah. you said. So, like, what's your mindset on that? Like, when people are like, damn, man, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're going to this event, you're going to this concert. What do you say when people are always asking you those type of questions? Nah, you said the part, bro. You got to do it. I'd rather, I'd rather do it and either if it's like a big expense and worry about that later, than not do it and be like, damn, I wish I would have done it. Like, to me, it's all about the experiences. I'm like, yo, the more you think about it, the less you're going to want to. And I was like, you know, it's a short, it's a short life, right? Like you gotta, it's about making these unique experiences, about having fun. And I'm like, yo, I just want to keep building those moments. I always say, I call them moments. Now, like, I just want to keep building these moments that in 10, 15, 20 years, I'm gonna remember like, yo, that was dope. This concert was my favorite. I was at this event, you know, things like that. I'm like, I'd rather do that than be in the crib. Just like, damn, I wish I would have done this. Bro. I wish I would have done that. Like, nah, man. It's preaching to the choir. Like, to genuine question. Yeah. Your favorite, we'll get to after, but like, Whatever your favorite Kanye concert or Jay Z concert is, do you remember how much you paid? Nah, hell no. Nah. Bro, I don't remember anything. You know, I don't remember yeah. prices, bro. Nah, you don't never remember that. Don't remember yeah. prices, but I remember the the yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I remember I can, the tell, I can tell you the set list of the motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, bro. Money, I don't care about that shit. I don't care because it's a funny ass quote that uh, Cody Rose said on his podcast or like some podcast I listened to about him. He said, "Spend it now, you'll make more later." Yeah, bro, yeah. fuck it. It's it is what it is, bro. My money money flows, man. That's how life keeps going. Like money's yeah. gonna be there. You gotta you gotta find it and get it. But like. These concerts and these moments and these games, like these are very unique things many times. And it's like, like I said, I'd rather have those experiences and instead of those doubts or regrets. Yes, you don't have those doubts. You don't have those regrets. You don't have that fear. So you want to get out of New England. You want to get out of ESPN. Yeah. Well, not ESPN, like you said, more right. out of New England, out of right. Connecticut. Mm -hmm. 
progress your life going forward. So what is the next step after this? You're applying. You said a couple of jobs. Yeah. You had them in line. Yeah, I applied to places in Philly, Florida, Texas. Like, bro, I was, I was, I was forgetting to what I was applying to because I was like, bro, anywhere that's just something different. And then one of my uh, good coworkers at ESPN sent me this link to apply to a Yahoo Sports job, and I was like, cool, I'll apply to it. Um, ended up getting an interview, and once again, coming to the, to the point of how small the, the sports media world is, the dude that ended up um, interviewing me for Yahoo used to work at ESPN, and his good friend at ESPN used to be my manager. So he reached out to her personally and was like, yo, like this kid is applying, like what do you say? And you have to, that's when it comes back to you, like you have to be a good employee, you have to be stand out, you have to have ambition. She was one of the managers that helped me out the most because I told her I really wanted to write. And I wasn't getting running opportunities at ESPN. And that was one thing that I really wanted to do. And she was she was the one that helped me get that opportunity at ESPN. It was a few, only a few, but she helped me do it. And I would always have conversations with her about that. So when he went, reached out to her and, you know, kind of was like, hey, like, what do you think? This and that. And she was like, yeah, like, he's great. But she she found me first and was like, hey, I need to have a conversation with you. And I was like, oh, shit, what did I do? Like, I probably, <laughs> I probably got somebody mad and said some shit. Because the thing about it is, like, it's very corporate and buttoned up, but I'm the, I'm, I'm the same person across the board. Like, you're not going to see a different Andy. Like, if you, the people that know me, I'm the same way at work that I am with my family. Like, I don't change for none of that shit. Do you think that's that can affect you? Like it could. Said. And that's why I was kind of scared. She was like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh, I probably said something wrong to somebody and somebody got heated. But it could affect you. But it, like like I mentioned, if, you, if you're genuine and, and you're really your own person, I think it it's ultimately going to make you stand out the most. And even at ESPN, I would do a lot of things. Like one of the roles I had, they were like, yo, you're very, you know, um, like savvy with the social media and things like that. And they wanted me to kind of change the way like the notifications work and like use more like moments, um, like cultural pop culture and make it more hip almost to say. And so they gave me freedoms to that. So I'm over here like putting hip hop lyrics and, and alerts and shit like that. I'm like, yo, if you're going to give me the lane, I'm going to turn up. Like, yeah. it's that simple. So it, it could definitely hurt, like, but it, it helped me. So she found me and was like, yo, um, this is what happened. Like, this guy reached out. He, he wants to interview. Well, I, this was after I interviewed. Um, he was like, he's he, you basically have the job if I say, like, yes to him. Like, he's good. Yeah. So I was like, word. And she was like, do you really want to leave here? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I was, she was like, I'm going to give you, like, two days to think about it. I'm like, I don't need two days to think about it. <laughs> I need two minutes. Hold that motherfucker back right now, bro. <laughs> but nah, it was, that's how, that's how it was. And like I mentioned earlier, things just lined up so quickly with everything. And, and luckily, in first tries, and I didn't have to stress too much. Do you think? Um, I think everything happens for a reason. For so sure. that moment, sure. when you're, do you have to keep ESPN like in the loop that you're looking for jobs? Nah, you kinda keep, you keep I didn't tell. Low? I didn't tell nobody. The funny shit. I was applying to jobs while I was in the office. I was like, <laughs> man, I was going crazy. I wasn't even doing it. All. I was like in the office, like fuck this shit. I'm applying to places. So I, I didn't really tell nobody I was interviewing or like that um, until I was like secure. Um, yeah, I accepted a role and I'm a dip. And and that was hard, man. It's, shout out to like my last manager. Like he. It's, it, things come full circle. The last manager I had was the manager that hired me when I got into ESPN. And we ended up like having different roles, but like coming back together a few times. It was hard to tell him because I, I appreciated him, obviously, for giving me, you know, the chance in the beginning. And he always looked out for me throughout the five years I was there. But I was like, yo, you got to understand, like, these are, the, these are the situations and this is what's happening. And he was very, you know, receptive to all that. So that was, and I told him, I'm like, I'm, I, I came to you out of respect before I'm going to tell, like, the other people, like, yo, I'm putting in my two weeks type thing. He was like, no, nah, I appreciate that. So, Yeah, you know, being professional, you said, yeah, you know, sure. keeping out there like that, keeping that relationship strong. You never know when you might see him down the line. You got to keep them doors open, man. ESPN's a place that a lot of people leave and a lot of people go back. So you never know in the future what could happen, man. Yeah, so how was that transition over to Yahoo Sports? So It was dope. Connecticut. I don't know for some reason why I thought you lived in New York. No, I did. Which oh, was, so, okay. so, I mean, very briefly, but 
so uh, Yahoo has a New York office and, a, and an LA office. And I think because of where I'm from, when I applied, they thought I wanted to be in the New York office. And I was like, nah, like, I'm down for California. I had never been. I didn't know shit about it. But I'm like, I'm talking about moving. This is the move that like, is going to do it for me. Yeah, that you wanted. But I, stayed, I started in New York, in the New York office, because I got the job like around late October. And I was running the New York City Marathon that year. And that was in uh, early November. And I'm like, I can't go to L.A. and come back and then go and come back. So I was like, let me just start in the New York office. I stayed there for like a little over a month. Um, just to get like get used to what was going on in in the place um, and just know how the workflow is and know the people that I'm going to be working with. And then I was like, once I ran the marathon, like a few weeks later after that, I was like, All right, I'm ready to just move to LA. So yeah, I was in New York for. for oh, like, this was recent. Nah, nah. Well, I, I, I ran that. I ran it again. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this was in 2018, so that was um, that was dope though because I, I got to I got to really see how the company worked and and I instead of you know when you're working by coastal and you're with people like you're if you you don't you might not know them so like getting to know the people that I, i'm still going to be working with in new york first was was super dope that's what's up so the transition over to la so yeah. it's, it's a different beast you don't know mm -hmm. well like anything in la so how is that transition transition going from espn to yahoo like what's the main differences what do you like more about the position you have now do you think it's you know that you had no fear but do you have any regrets do you like where you're at now no nah, i definitely don't have any regrets i think that I, I, it's, it's hard to, because things fall in place like that. You have to just learn from it. Even if things are, I told myself, yo, if I don't like this shit, like a, the New York office is there. So like, I could always go back to the East coast and be like, yo, feel like I'm back home, which if that's, you know, and people think maybe getting homesick or whatever, but I'm like, nah, like I gotta, I gotta go through it, man. I gotta experience it. I gotta basically suffer a little bit and maybe, you know, things are a lot more expensive over there. So maybe be like pressed for money in the beginning, but I'm like, yo, these are all life experiences that are gonna help me grow. So the transition work-wise wasn't hard at all because the roles that I, the role that I last had at ESPN and the role that I got at Yahoo were very similar. Mm. So I didn't have to really like I hit the ground running. And, similar, and, but now you get to post these articles right here. This yeah, is you right here, right? Yeah, your yes, article, sir, yes, sir. But that was the thing, and I think once again in the interview process, I was really open about like, yeah, I, I do want to write. Is there an opportunity for me to do that? And they were like, yes, one hundred percent. Like you know, there are a lot of people that have certain roles they still do right and. It's kind of like a side thing, but you know they they said that there was going to be an opportunity, and like I did in college when they gave me a little lane, I I hit that shit running, and I, I never looked back, bro. Anyway, so question: um, So if you're not writing in journalism, what are you doing then? So I'm technically a, a editor. I'm a senior editor, so um, I basically work with the content that our writers um, publish or that writers work on. So we have you know national writers, and then we they cover certain sports, certain events. So the stuff that they do gets sent to us, and then we're the ones that like edit it. Um, we get it up on the website, we get it up on the app, and make sure the notifications go out, and then like, program it on the, you know, on different uh, platforms. So it's so more like, like content distribution mm, is what I call gotcha. it. Gotcha. So like, yeah. so when Adam Scheffler's tweets are going out, that's an example. I don't know if you're doing Adam Scheffler, yeah, yeah, but just yeah, the main sure. example, everyone knows who he is. Yeah. So basically he's giving the information, you're putting out his exactly. tweets. Exactly. So people like, we'll have, we'll have a story like, this is what Scheffler said, this is, you know, the news right here, and boom, that gets out, and then that becomes a Yahoo link, and you know that's that's how we that's how we roll basically. Oh no, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I yeah. figured I knew. Obviously, Adam Schefter wasn't tweeting. It's impossible. You see him live on TV, yeah. and then he tweets coming out. I'm like, he didn't tweet that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's intriguing. Okay, so I thought you were and everyone in journalism was just yeah, nah. There's, making... there's just so much that like goes behind the scenes, like to run a site or to run like a, a app or things like that. That you know, people just have to. There's so many different roles that go into it. But the writing stuff that I do now is is like. It's not my my main job, but it's part of you know part of what I do, which is super dope. That's what's up, bro. So um, damn. So that's where you are now. That's so that's 
the ending of the journey for Andy finally yes, for yes. the <laughs> professional career. A long journey. Man. That's dope, bro. So like at this moment, so like obviously said you have to go through sacrifices when you first started up. Mm-hmm. You know, internships, you're not making money. So you know, said like historically, it's not like a you're making a lot of money. Right. But when you're working for ESPN, when you're working for Yahoo, that's when the money comes. I'm yeah, sorry, assuming. Yeah. No, I mean, like ESPN was a little different, a little different because there's so many employees there, and I think that they don't they don't pay as people would uh, you know assume. But it was, I mean, at that age, I was like, that shit was, you know, good for me. But Solid. when I got the Yahoo job, I was, like, shocked because obviously things are more expensive in California, but so they offer you more money. But they had given me, like, a price, and I, like, what I listed, they were like, nah, we're going to, like, give you, like, 20000 more type shit. So, oh, damn. So, yeah, it's cool because there is money in the field. It just depends how you go about it. And, and you know, you have to, the, the compensation for living in L.A. is just crazy. Yeah, of because course. L.A. is wild expensive. So, you have to be able to balance those things out. But, yeah, now the money's there, and that shit, you know, if you're doing it just for the money, then, you know, I, I would not recommend it. But there's ways to make money and, and, and monetize a lot of, you know, of what you think and your creative ideas, which is super cool. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, um, like, I know some, I'm not sure if you, got, if you know this guy, Omar Kelly. He, um, yeah. And now he's on Undisputed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Undisputed, it's Undisputed, it's, oh, on uninterrupted not yeah, unspeeded, yeah, yeah. uninterrupted and no they're doing a different type of avenue yeah, like yeah. when you see stuff like that it's like so there's new ways in journalism is coming about are you like seeking into those type of things it's like fire bro i love that shit i love how like athletes are like using their voice and becoming like now front of the camera front facing what they call it and like being you know opinionated and and those type of avenues i think are my favorite because it's 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 literally genuine people speaking from experience like i think one of my favorite podcasts right now is uh uh, all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson because I'm like, yo, who would have thought that them two dudes that were like knuckleheads in the NBA, quote unquote, um, would have a podcast. But it's like, bro, they get the guests, like Steph Curry's of the world. I mean, they had Kobe on it before he passed. And like these people are vulnerable and open because they hooped with them or like people yeah. that know them. So it's like those type of platforms are super intriguing to me and I, and I love that it's it's growing so much. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely cool. Like the uninterrupted. I like those. I, the, I like those. I like the shop with LeBron. Yeah, the those are fire. Shop is fire like even the Jason and Travis Kelsey's show is yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, just doing that type of stuff, it's pretty dope. And um, so you never know what might you know, doors might open up for you in the Most future. Definitely. So, like, what do you have planned for the future professional lives before we get into a couple of things about your personal life? Yeah, no, I think it's it's about just the same way I was in the beginning, like, just grow skills and don't be so, like, just one lane focused, right? Like, I was, I did all different types of sports and then I did radio and then I did podcasts. So, like, I'm just trying to keep branching out and, and learn as much as I could and, and keep, you know, building my, I guess, my name up and my resume up um, because you don't know what's in the future. I mean, I think there's, the opportunities are endless, um, I think, you know, resumes are important and, and mine is, is pretty loaded, thank God. Like, so I'm like, I feel confident when I, if I want to apply to a different job that I might yeah. at least, you know, get a look or interview. So um, that type of stuff to me is like, it's, it's dope because it's, it's been a long journey, like you mentioned. And, and I think the more work you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. I still do sacrifice a lot of weekends and nights and holidays, but that we talked about earlier, like now I'm just doing what I want, man. I'm traveling places. I'm, I'm just going places and having fun. And it's like, I, I kind of struck that balance that I had been looking for for a long time. So. Nice. Yeah. Traveling places, doing events, concerts, yeah, man. getting into it. So I'm not sure if this is your first one, but a man <laughs> of many different ventures and hobbies, uh, getting to my guy, the marathon yeah, runner right yeah, here. Man. Was this your first one? That was my first half marathon ever. And I was actually in Bristol, Connecticut, man. It was it was wild. It was the first time that I ever ran 13 miles. And I was like, what? This is crazy. 13 miles for breakfast. Feels great. <laughs> Bristol Hall half marathon done. Surprisingly, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. 
Check that one off the list. Mama, I made it. Yes, so it was not we here at that moment in time. You said it wasn't as hard as you thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. But how would you even get into marathons? I've never ran a marathon. I am. I did track in high school football, but I was more of a sprinter. I am yeah. not a long distance guy at all. Like the four is like the max for me. I feel you. I feel you. So how did you get into this? Were you always into marathon running? So like what even intrigued you about it? Nah, I just started running when I was like running with my cousins over here at the Blackstone Boulevard. And I was never really a runner either. Like I played soccer and I played volleyball and shit like that. But like running wasn't a thing. And then like I just started picking it up with my cousins. And then I think really when I went to Boston is when it became like when I got in college, it became like more of a hobby because I used to see so many people running in Boston. I'm like, I never been around like a city that like people are just running. My, you got to remember, I was I, my school is right in downtown, right across from the Boston Common, and like that's obviously a place that people run a lot in the Public Garden and stuff like that. Right so, here on on Q yeah. Boston. Yeah, so I'm just like dog, like that in Boston is crazy. And then 2013 happened with the marathon bombing, and then I think that all of, all of that encompassing, like I was like, man, like I saw how people responded to to the marathon and, and, you know, Boston, like, rallying as a city. And I was like, man, that, that's where I got the inspiration. Like, I'm going to start running, like, marathons because I saw how dope it was. And then I, I it was it was twofold because then I started using it as a reason to travel and go places. I was like, yeah, I could go here. I could run this. I could do that. Like, go visit a new city type thing. So. Yeah, my boy is the same way. Um, episode, my sure if I dropped or not already, but... My boy Steve said the same thing. He goes to Paris to yeah, go running. He's cool, like, do you make an event out of it now? You got, you got to, bro. I'm like, yo, you're doing two things. You're, you're doing something fitness-wise like that. It's always going to benefit you. And then you're going to a place and, and getting reps in, in the city or maybe you knew or not. That is pretty dope to me, man. Wait, so how um, anybody who's intrigued, like someone like me, I wouldn't say I'm nervous or scared. I've been you know, athlete my entire life. But someone who's not in the field at all, what would you tell them to like, you know, train? How would... How would I train for a marathon? I'm people work full time jobs. How do you get ready in shape to get a marathon and not pass out? Yeah, it's a it's reps, man. Like it's, it's crazy. The only way to to do that is to run. Like I mean, not the only way, but like you have to you have to build up to it. It's a sport that that you can't just go into and be like, I'm gonna run 26 miles because that's not gonna go well for you. So <laughs> you gotta just like build them reps up and and just I tell people start slow, start somewhere that feels comfortable. And like, if you say three, four miles is comfortable for you, do it multiple times. Three, four miles, you know, once or twice a week, three times a week. Once that feels comfortable, just start building it up, building it up. We call it building a base. Once you have that solid base, then you're able to, to kind of increase mileage and then you, you know, go about it from there. See see where your threshold is, see, you know, start working with different paces, your speed, and then it just keeps booming after that. And I don't mind that, Andy, but I'm nervous. I don't want to be the last person to say about people <laughs> nah. like that. I don't want to be last. I don't want to be the last person yeah. to come by the line. What would you say something like that? You get swept up by the people. <laughs> Listen, man, I, like, I, I don't think I'm a fast runner. If I want to turn up and run fast, I could. But like for a long distance, I'm not like a fast like a fast marathon runner. But yo, I think this is what I tell people. like If you're going to run a marathon, that's 26 miles. Like I don't give a fuck how long it takes you to run that shit, even if you walk the motherfucker <laughs> or walk run. like 26 miles is a lot of damn ground covered so Hell like, yeah i tell people don't trip on the speed man like trip on the accomplishment of of completing it of doing it and and to me that's that's the gratifying part fuck the time yeah how long would it typically take like just the average person i think average time is probably like around four and a half so four and a half hours like somewhere i think that's like the average and the funniest shit i haven't even hit that in a marathon because like i got bad cramping problems i always end up like my body i sweat a lot so i think i get like dehydrate and then so I, I, my closest one was, I think I had like 450, something like that in LA, which was my best time, which I thought was dope. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I have, I run, I run with a lot of groups in LA and there's people that run them shits in two and a half hours. Jeez. I know people that run them shits in six, seven hours. Like all that to me is dope, but I'm like, 
Y'all all marathon runners. Like, I don't give a fuck what you're That's crazy. I, I, uh, I love David Goggins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, his, like, feats are absurd. Yeah, and But he's the same way. He's got to start somewhere. You got to, bro. You got to start somewhere. Don't they have, like, Ben Gay, like, and, like, Icy Hot, like, stations and stuff like that? Yeah, a BioFreeze. Shout out to BioFreeze, man. That should be changing. That should change my life in Chicago, bro. That's, like, mile 20. Yeah. On Q right here, you in Chicago. It must have been freezing in Chicago. It was cold. Nah, actually, it wasn't even that bad. That day. that was a great, that that was one of the best weather uh, I've had for a run ever. Like, wow. it was perfect. And it's tricky because I was in October, but like, I think like mile 20 or 21, there was like a biofreeze corner that you literally just run by and people are spraying you, bro. <laughs> Life changing, bro. Life changing. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I just want to stay here for like five minutes and spray me out, bro. Yeah, listen to some uh, Kevin Hart shit. He said that he did the marathon and he didn't train. He's like, fuck it, I'll just do it. I'm in shape. He said he was cramping. He's oh, like no. biofreezing the yeah. entire time. You think you're in shape until you like 18 miles in and you're like, bro, I'm getting my ass kicked out here, dog. <laughs> this shit don't make no goddamn sense, bro. What's your favorite, uh, marathon that you have ran man i i just ran new york like a month ago so that's still fresh on my mind um and it was a very very tough this race. one right here yes sir it was a super tough race but it was um it was uh, it was one of those experiences that like it, it kind of tells you what the marathon's about because the energy in the crowds is crazy i went with my track club shout out to good vibes so we was out there like 40 deep so it was just wild 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 and um the the New York City Marathon is the biggest one in the world, uh, people wise. It's like fifty over fifty thousand runners, so that shit was cool. Uh, Chicago course wise, I thought was my my favorite because Chicago um, is is a super dope city and just the energy there was dope too. But New York City, man, as hard as that race is for sure, is gonna go down as, as one of the favorites in my. Well, that's a dope picture right here. Yeah, man, it was it's an experience, bro. New York City Marathon from the beginning to the end is an experience, bro. Yeah, New York's an experience, and the guy that everyone knows and associates with New York is jay-z <laughs> where is your jay-z fascination come from because i know you you have to be up there how many concerts have you been to with jay-z it's like 17 jay-z concerts god damn <laughs> talk about money man i don't know how much money i spent <laughs> i go see that dude and and the places i've seen him in is the funny shit yeah i know i've seen it early when i was going through stuff to talk about all over the map which one if you had is this rare one of them maybe yeah, that's on the run on the run at gillette stadium man but that I went to ask one too, but I'm not sure where you sat. I'm not sure if you're in the upper level. I had like 300 level seats. Mm. There was no audio. The up audio there. was trash up there. I went so that's the second on the run. The first on the run, I made that mistake. I sat up top, and the audio was terrible. And Nothing. I was like, "Fuck this!" I went down to the bottom. Bro, that one we me learned too. our lesson. <laughs> me too. I was like, that's fuck crazy. This. That, that's a thing. But yeah, yeah. Now I've seen I've seen them in a lot of places in well, the states. The thing is, Barclays. I went to the I went to that's a four 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 tour at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. But I went to the actual opening. Um, when the arena opened back in like 2012, he did like I think seven or eight shows, like just back to back to open the arena and sold all them motherfuckers out. That's fire. And I went to like the third one, I think, like the first ever shows in that arena, and it was that shit was amazing, bro. Wait, so you went to the TD Garden and you went to Barclays for back the fourth floor. Back to back days, bro. It's <laughs> a back to back. I left Boston and drove to Brooklyn the next day, <laughs> dog. So <laughs> what? What made? Oh, we made in America too. Made in fire. America like three times, man. Crazy. So what made you like? You know, what sticks out with Jay-Z with you to go back to back, go to 17 different concerts. Where did that come from? Nah, I just like when I when I started listening to music, he was he was the one that was popping back in the day when I was younger. Um, and I have, I have a lot of older cousins. So they, you know, they put me on with what they listened to. And there was a lot of like New York stuff, big and, and Nas and, and, you know, the legends like that. And, and at the time, I think it was like volume two, Jay-Z came out. And my cousin was just rocking that shit, just listening to it all the time. So I was always with him and I was listening to it. And then when I grew up, I just like kept following and I'm like, yo, this dude really, really nice. At that time, like people were like, he really nice. But 
I was like, I, like he's really the greatest. Like, what the hell? I didn't know that was gonna happen in that span. But yeah, I just really liked him from the jump. It was it was really that simple. And then I'm, I'm, I love concerts, bro. Like, so I was like, bro, I'm gonna go to concerts whenever I get the chance. And that shit just kept growing. And uh, shit, I don't know, man. I don't know what else to say about Hov, bro. <laughs> Whatever hasn't been said about Hov, like people sleeping because old Hov or new Hov, like. Nah, I, I think old Hove, I'm not sure if you agree. I think old Hove would be considered before Blueprint, like three in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Blueprint too. I mean, um, yeah, Blueprint. Blueprint. Not, no, no, I'm sorry. The Black Album. Black I, Al- I think Black, Black Album is like the like the, the middle. middle part. Yeah, nah, I think, think everything before that's old. Everything after that's new. Would you yeah, agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take the old Hove, but the thing about it is, like, to me, like new Hove is is dope because it's such a, a like a mature process. Like people would like. I think four 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 might be one of his best albums just because of the vulnerability, the storytelling, like. And people are like, yo, we don't want to hear that shit. I'm like, bro, son is like 40-something. Like, What's he going to talk about? Or 50-something now. I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you going to talk about? <laughs> like, like shit he was talking about on volume two? Like, yeah. nah, bro, people got to evolve. And it's hard to evolve in the in front of the world. And he was able to do it in, in a fucking classy-ass way. I'm like, bro, that shit is dope, bro. That shit takes yeah. a lot of talent, man. Hell yeah. Especially how he's like, apparently, like, you know, people say about him, he goes in just freestyles yeah, off top of the head. Legend, bro. Legend. That's wild. I can't come up with two bars. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, set. No, that, well, how many albums do you have? Like, Eleven, right? Nah, you got like fifteen in the month. Fifteen, damn. Thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. So, what was um, was your favorite um, concert and favorite Jay Z album of all time? My favorite concert was Watch the Throne, bro. Watch <sighs> the Throne. I went to see it in Boston. Um, it was, I mean, the concert itself was was fucking incredible, but it was also on my birthday, so I was like, I was wild. I won. Yeah, I was, I was on it, and it was my birthday is right before Thanksgiving break, so I was going on Thanksgiving break after that show, like coming home for a week. So I was bugging. The show was just. Something that we, you will never see again because it's two legends just sparring, going back and forth. And, you know, Kanye's visuals are crazy. So, like, the experience was super dope. Um, so that's definitely going to always be my favorite. Um, and album for me is The Blueprint. Uh, I think I think Reasonable Doubt, because it's his first one, gets a lot of love, and it's a fucking incredible album. Uh, I think the Black album is super dope. But for me, Blueprint was the one that, like, it took my fandom, like, to the next level when that shit came out. September 11th, it came out on the day that fucking the Twin Towers. It's just, like, the story around the blueprint, how it, like, in the moment, and how, like, it just birthed all these classics before and after, like, that shit album is, to me, is flawless, bro. Yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely up there for me. If I had to pick up my favorite Jay-Z album, like, I think it would be, it would be Black Album. I like Black Album a lot. That's a, that's a body of work, man. Single, but if I had to, like, pick any project, it had to be Watch It Throne for me, because I'm a shit. big Kanye guy, big Jay-Z guy, too, and just them two together. It was weird. I feel like when it first dropped, they got a lot of, like, flat but some yeah. certain people they're like oh this sucks it could have been better i'm like what am i being biased here yeah. or is this shit flawless i felt the same way bro i felt the same way people were like oh this shit. i'm like bro what the fuck are y'all even <laughs> talking about man this shit is incredible incredible like, this, what the- i got this shit on all max volume i'll blow the speakers out like you are wild <laughs> dog. hell no nah. favorite track on, on watch the throne you couldn't tell me shit about watch the throne my favorite song on watch the throne it might be why i love you honestly bro that song was so fucking incredible to me just because it was sounded so different from all the other shit in the the shit hits and you're like hearing like a gospel almost like chorus. And like, what the fuck are you about to do? And they just, I mean, them going back and forth is incredible on all them tracks. But why I love you, something about that song. Like when it comes out, I'm like, damn, this shit feels like, like the fucking white smoke is coming up and these godly <laughs> figures are just like back and forth with each other. Like, 
I mean, I, any song in that, person any, too. Bro, any song in the album, like yeah, prime time, like all them shit. New day, stop me. New day's up there for me. Bro, all Love new day. That's just, great, it's just fire. I had to buy the vinyl, bro. Actually, that, after yeah, bro, had that's, to, a, that's a classic, bro. Had to copy it. It, it. That that time will never be replicated. That type of album will never be replicated. And I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That shit could have not have been better because that shit was amazing, bro. <laughs> Big facts. How do you feel? Would you be up for a Watch the Throne two or don't touch it? Nah, nah, leave that shit alone, bro. Leave that shit alone. I, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't even want people to try it because why would they want to try to top that shit? Like, it was so good. And I think you have to realize when it came out in 2011 or whatever, like, the moment we were in compared to now, like, the the energy around, like, projects being released like that, especially of, of duos and, like, yo, I, I still remember that was one of the most epic nights on Twitter. That shit, like, people were like, yo, is the album out? And it was, like, almost like a listening session, like, with people you don't know because the yeah. whole timeline was just people talking about Watch the Throne. And that shit, you know... Like that type of stuff doesn't necessarily really happen no more because of streaming and the way things are. And nah, nah, they don't gotta leave that shit alone. That classic, bro. Do you uh do you agree with your uh, article you wrote on the Blueprint Three? Probably not. I think, <laughs> I, I think it's one of the worst Jay Z albums. I probably said that shit was amazing too. I think it's like three songs I knew that I like. Um, but I think that you know I, I think it's because it's whole. You look at him through a different lens and you're like, yo, just every project has to be fucking. The Black Album, Reasonable Doubt, or Blueprint, like nah, bro. Every album should be different. And at that time, he was experimenting with some sounds and some some different shit, trying to shift the way that you know the the music was at the time. Like I, I don't fault him for no shit like that. Wait, you think Blueprint Three is worse than Kingdom Come? Yeah, I'm biased. Kingdom Come came out on my birthday, bro. I'm biased. <laughs> Anything that's tied to my birthday, I'm biased. About. Best album of all time. <laughs> nah, I actually like Kingdom Come. That shit was that had some songs that I was like, this shit, I should never seen the light of day, but. There was some joints on there, man. People just, I think people just as a project, they were like, now, nah, but you gotta li- listen, listen to some of them shits, like the intro, listen to um to Lost Ones, bro. Hov was spinning some shit. I mean, Hov was always spinning some shit, but there was some joints on there that people uh, overlooked for sure. The uh, Dig a Hole, that shit was oh, tough. Yeah, he dig was a Dig a Hole. Um, the, what's the other one? That Lost was, Ones. Uh, that was dipset diss, right? Yeah, that was and the sneak dissing Dipset and Cam. There was um, Lost oh, Ones. Oh, can't play that. Lost Ones is one of his. Kingdom Come was. Oh, can I play this? Um, Kingdom Come was the the show. Uh, the song, the single was a track. Thirties um, the new something was pretty cool. Like I mean, there was trouble. <laughs> trouble was hold on, hold on some of his best. Yeah, shit. I like Trouble. Dig a hole, and I liked randomly Hollywood. Hollywood was cool. I yeah. thought um I thought the John Legend's track was fire. Do you want to ride? I thought that was pretty cool. So like, all in all, like I think it has some joints. I just think the project was like, nah, we don't want to hear this shit from Jay Z, especially <laughs> when it came out. Like, bro, you supposed to be retired and come back with this shit? Like, nah. Bro. Do you think more people don't want to hear this shit or four for four? Bro, listen, man. If you don't like four for four, you gotta grow up. I'm looking dead into the camera. You gotta grow up, bro. Like, get get your life right. You know, mature a little bit. Leave that shit in the past. Like, he was, he was. That's whole. Like I said, that might be whole at his best, man. Like, just talking, like for real, from a heartfelt place. I think. If you don't fuck with four for four, you probably listening to some whack shit, bro. Probably more than likely. Probably listen to Lil Pump. <laughs> no, 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 it's this. None of the, none of the little nobodies, bro. Right. <laughs> listening to some grown motherfucking dog. Just uh, you said no off topics. So I want your opinion. Cause talking about people not want to hear about certain people right now, and you have them on here. How do you feel about this whole Kanye drama right now? Because I think music wise, he is one of the best. He was my favorite music wise of all time. Yeah. This album. Was fire. This is any day it switches for me. It can be either my beautiful dark twist of fantasy or life of Pablo. One on one for me. Uh, this concert was crazy. I was actually in the middle of this pit. Oh yeah, TD Garden. I was here. I was probably losing my mind somewhere right here. <laughs> and um, this concert was fire. Yeah, nah, yeah, man, yeah, he's a genius. So he had always from the beginning had always had these like these fucking weird 
um, thoughts and shit. That's why a lot of people are surprised if you haven't like followed Kanye from the beginning. Like, he's always thought a lot of the shit that he's talking about now. Yeah, it's just that he's got blown up into a different stratosphere. That like anything he says is you know is gonna be picked apart. I mean, obviously, I don't agree with a lot of shit he's doing and saying, and I think it's it's more of like um, not having real people around him, and obviously divorces and shit is tough. But just like just I don't know. I think he's in a in a bad mental space and shit like that. I don't want to diagnose nobody. I'm not no doctor and like that, but. Um, you know, I think that people are entitled to their opinions and uh, uh, if your shits are problematic, people are going to make sure that they let people know that your shit's problematic. So, like I said, I don't agree with a lot of shit he's doing, but you got to sometimes separate um, the art from, from the artist. And I, yeah. I think that's big in sports, too. Like, a lot of people will say things about certain athletes. I'm like, listen, man, like, I listen to music first. You know, I like people for their music. I can't say I agree with people's uh, personal views or athletes' personal views, but... I'm good at kind of separating that. Yes, as the perception around him changed, unfortunately for the worse, for sure. And now I'm like, I don't like to listen to a lot of his shit, like his old shit, but I'm not going to knock it. Like, one of my favorite artists, uh, one of the greatest to do it. And it's unfortunate where he's at, but yeah, he's going to be A, bro. Yeah, I think you said it as best as I possibly could. I'm 100% on that state as well, where people, um, same thing you just said, athletes, I can, I'm really good at differentiating the two yeah same sure. thing with music like obviously i don't agree with what he's saying sometimes i think he does it for marketing purposes as yeah, well yeah, it's new age marketing yeah. i still tell people all the time i read the 50 cent book and he said that that whole like um the graduation versus curtis thing oh, that yeah. was all stage it was all stage he's like connie's a marketing genius he said yeah. he thinks everything that he well first of all 50 said everything he does is for marketing Everything Kanye does for marketing. Mm -hmm. So I think it ties in a little bit as well. Yep. But if he does really mean what he's saying, I said, I mean, I don't agree with any of it. Any of it. Right, right. But, um, you know, by, all I can speak on is his music. I don't know Kanye yeah, personally. Exactly. I don't know what that man's life is like. I don't know what he'd be going through, what he don't be going yep, through. Yep. But I know, I know. I know that fucking graduation was phenomenal. I know college dropout was <laughs> changed the landscape of yep. the fucking world. Like, That's what I know. I'll tell, tell you that much. I know life, life of Pablo's. Still gets played in my card to this day. My blue doctors of fantasy to this day, to this day for me to this day. So yeah, that's a uh, you know some of my favorite artists right there. Ending it off with that Jay Z and Kanye. Cause, uh yeah, you're big in marathons, big in Jay Z. You're doing a whole bunch of stuff, man, and traveling. I see you travel a lot too. Where are some of your favorite travel spots? End up in this podcast. Where are you? Uh, your favorite spots you've been? Any where else you going in the future? You're intrigued and interested about? Yeah, man. I just got back from Colombia a few days ago, visiting family. Colombia is amazing. I'm once again biased there, but um, super beautiful country. A lot of things to do. Um, other places that I've been to that I really like. I've been going to Mexico a lot more recently because it's closer to where I live now, obviously. Um, some pretty dope spots in Mexico. Cabo is super close to LA, so that's that's a pretty cool spot. You've been to Mexico City? Everyone says Mexico nah, City is fire. So I was actually supposed to go to Mexico City for New Year's Eve this year. The plans ended up falling through, Gosh. but I hear great things about it. Yeah, same. Um, I think Montreal is one of my favorite cities in the world. Maybe because I just used to go and get like completely obliterated out there. But <laughs> that shit is fun, bro. I've never been. I've heard. I've heard yeah. that in Toronto. It's crazy. Toronto is dope, but Toronto is very like it feels like an American city. Montreal, mm -hmm. like it feels like you in Canada for real. Um, so that shit is cool. And then I thought I went to Cuba in 2016. That was, I mean, I hear that's an experience. A lot of people's like bucket list, but yeah, I think it was like it, it fulfilled what people perceive it to be in, in a lot of different ways. So I think if people are interested in that shit. I would go because a beautiful island to, to visit. Yeah, traveling is dope, man. I'm coming up. I'm uh, this year or next year rather. I'm trying to uh, go to places that I haven't been. So I haven't been to Europe yet. So I'm trying to do like a, a pretty dope uh, Euro trip. And then. Um, Dominican Republic haven't been there either, so I'm that's a shocker. I feel like yeah, I know, I know, and I think I'm I'm gonna try to go to Hawaii too because I got some friends out there, so I'm trying to you know. 
Hawaii's definitely dope. Kona's dope. Um, it's a nice little lot. I'm not sure you like doing hiking and stuff like that. It's a lot of hiking. Whatever, like that. Whatever, whatever keeps me active, I'm with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, I love the traveling. I love you seeing, you know, progressing towards your goals. I love seeing it, bro. I love you coming through. We could talk for another two hours. I know you got to go. You're here for only a certain amount of time. I appreciate you allotting a slot for me to no talk and uh, bro we could talk for literally for hours about music traveling Facts. but it's got a little intro to the life of andy maybe we can do a a online when i have uh the, the service the stream yard have stream yard we can you know link up maybe talk a bit more sure. about the travel and some music some sports come about maybe the end of the world cup yeah football's coming up playoffs i know you're a big uh football guy as well and get some more sessions in. Um, yeah, man, appreciate you coming through. It's been a while since I spoke to you, and it seems like we haven't like lost a, a step, bro. That's what it's about. That's how you know it's just genuine. It's, it's love, and I appreciate it, man. It's always good to link up with, with people back at the crib. Time is short, but you know what I mean? It's, it's conversations. I got stories for days, and it's always love. Oh, man, let's do it up. Any last words? Anybody tuning into this? Anything you want to say? Any inspirations you had in your life to get you to the point where you are right now? I'm inspired by everybody, bro. It's real shit. I take, I take inspiration from, from everybody I know. I think you should, like good or bad. Uh, just grow from certain you know moments and shit like that. But be genuine, dog, and, and, and really, you know, I think my thing is, is keep a positive mindset is, there's been a lot of sh crazy shit happening in the world, and I think when bad things happen, you're reminded of like the, the joys of the world. So you should keep that that same mentality when bad shit's not happening. Like celebrate your wins, celebrate your friends, love on your friends, support your friends, shit like that is. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm gonna preach that to the end of the end of the day. So that's what it's about for me. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. I love seeing you. That's you know handle those marathons, against the points in your career, inspiring people, bro. Because people are gonna see this. Um, you know, especially when I don't have a lot of. Uh, athletes tuning into the podcast page, a lot of football players, and to see someone from Rhode Island do it and make it to LA, make it to New York, Connecticut, ESPN, it's definitely inspiring, bro. And I love seeing you. Though, to keep working, hope the best for you. Hope you stay in touch when I go to LA. Definitely reach out to you and visit you. Thanks. And um, yeah, man, just keep working. I love seeing you. Um, just you know, like I said before, seeing your social media, seeing you striving, bro. I love seeing that type of shit. And uh, hope you hope the best for you, man. Likewise, man. Keep it with the podcast, man. I'll definitely be tapped in and keep keep doing your thing, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Make sure you follow your boy, Instagram, less underscore Andy. Make sure you follow the EG Pot of Thunder on all social media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Like, subscribe, send us to the moon, baby. Make sure you follow me on ExploreFF on all social media. I appreciate you coming through and good luck on your journey, baby. Let's get it. Ready.